Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gemstone Mine. I'm John, and before we get started with our holiday celebration, I just want to thank you for joining us on the new Commander Cookout channel. If you're a longtime CCO fan, welcome to Gemstone Mine. My goal is to bring you some of the most exciting things happening on the competitive end of our Commander metagame, because I think that there are things that you can learn from and enjoy from CDH at almost any table of Commander. And if you're coming over from the Gemstone Mine channel, welcome to the CCO Media Group. Commander Cookout has always focused on spicy decks and highlighted community decks which buck convention in some way. So if you're here for one spicy deck, why not check out the spice that Brando brought this year for the CCO holiday episode and get two for the price of one? One of the perks you can take advantage of, if you're enjoying this stuff, is to check out the CCO Patreon, where you can get onto the Commander Cookout Discord, which is where I asked CCO fans if they've been naughty or nice this year to see what kind of gift I should bring for this holiday episode. And survey says... Naughty? Oh, oh my. Well, if you've been naughty, I guess I should bring you warm wishes for this most festive time of year with the unrelenting oppression of the most powerful stacks effects in CDH history. And if you want to crush the hopes and dreams of your friends and family this holiday season, you can order any stacks you need from FusionGamingOnline.com, your source for all your gaming needs. Since Gemstone Mine is now a part of the Commander Cookout Media Group, I wanted to give Fusion a little test before I agreed to advertise for them. So I scoured their site for a little early present for myself and found these absolutely gorgeous shinies for a dinosaur who's been a very good girl this year. Galta Primal Hunger. Fusion Gaming shipped these to me from the Great White North all the way down to my hot little hands in Florida. Just look at that. Galta has been so good at storming off in mono green this year that she has absolutely earned a good girl reward with a foil Nykthos and a foil Thousand Year Elixir. And to be clear, yes, that's a Lorwyn foil. And no, I didn't have to sell any of my organs to get it because I used the promo code CCOPERKS to get 10% back on my order in store credit. You can also use the promo code CCOSUMMER to get 5% off any order and, geez, I really hope that's still right, because it's definitely winter right now. And note to self, call Ryan to make sure that's right before the next episode. Anyway, if you want to get your stacks on with any of the cards found in this list today, FusionGamingOnline.com is your source for all your gaming needs. CDH is a metagame, which revolves around some of the most game-breakingly powerful cards ever printed. And recent designs from Wizards of the Coast have pushed a lot of the most power into creatures. Their most popular and fastest growing format at the moment is Commander. So many sets see the printing of a bevy of new legendary creatures, sometimes including a whole cycle of them at Uncommon. But it's not just legendaries who are getting more powerful. Dockside Extortionist and Thassa's Oracle have game warping enter the battlefield effects, which have shaken the entire CDH metagame while cards like Spellseeker, 
Ranger Captain of EOS, and Esper Sentinel have become must-haves in their colors. Stacks effects like Opposition Agent, Orcish Bowmasters, and Dranith Magistrate change the game by locking opponents out of key pieces of their strategy. If you've played CDH in the last few years, you have undoubtedly felt the impact of these pushed creatures on your games. They attack the metagame from multiple different angles, are resilient to interaction in different ways, and put their controllers at a massive advantage. But the wizened designers of Magic in 1997 foresaw this darkest hour and saw fit to print one of the most powerful anti-creature stacks pieces ever designed, Humility, a four-man enchantment costing two white-white, which reads, all creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness 1-1. Thassa's Oracle? <laughs> nice 1-1 vanilla for blue-blue you just cast there. Dranith Magistrate? Nope, I just see a 1-1 dork. Orcish Bowmasters? Ha! I hope you got all that pinging out of your system before you started tap dancing with a skeleton for nickels. The only major CDH win conditions that still win consistently through humility are Underworld Breach Lines and, well, really, that's it. Commander-centric win conditions like Glinthorn Malcolm or even Najila can't trigger through humility without removing it first. It's the reason that humility has been something of a holy grail for CDH stacks brewers. The problem being that if you shut off all the best win conditions and all the best creatures in CDH, how are you yourself supposed to win? Your value engine commanders like Timna get shut off by humility, so it's even harder to break parity on the effect. So many brewers over the years have experimented with using humility in lists with planeswalkers as commanders, primarily Aminatu the Fate Shifter, but occasionally Estrid the Masked. And Commander Legends gave us two new planeswalkers as commanders who also happen to have partner, Tevishzat, Doom of Fools, and Jeska, Thrice Reborn. Jeska plus a white inclusive partner does open up Underworld Breach Lines, but our build today is going to draw upon what may be the second best stacks color in CDH, black, in the form of Tevish Zot as our first partner. Tevish Zot has two different plus abilities and starts at four loyalty for four and a black. For plus two loyalty, he creates two zero one thrall creature tokens. For plus one loyalty, you can sacrifice a creature to draw two cards, or three cards if you happen to sacrifice a commander. And for minus ten, you can ultimate and put all of the commanders in play or in the command zone into play under your control. Now, just as a side note, the game will almost never reach a point where you can ultimate Zot comfortably, but it should be noted that even if you do reduce Zot to zero by ultimating him while he is exactly at 10 loyalty, his ultimate will bring him back into play under your control along with everyone else's commanders. And you'll then probably immediately plus one him to eat one of those commanders to draw three cards because this instance of Zot is a brand new object according to the game, so go ahead and activate him again. In order to get Humility into a deck with Tevishzot at the helm, we'll need a partner with a commander who has white in their color identity, which gives us a choice between Ishai, Akiri, Bruce, and Siddhar Kondo. We're going to go with Ishai Ojitai Dragonspeaker for a few reasons, the primary of which includes access to blue in our color identity. Esper offers some of the best resource engines outside of the command zone that you can hope for, and some of the strongest control and stacks elements in the metagame. Blue gives us a suite of counterspells to back up the silence effects in white and the stacks pieces that white and black both already offer. But Ishai also gives us a reasonable clock if the game really does get staxed out. Each spell our opponents cast make the Burned Monk bigger, 
and it doesn't take much to make Ishai a real threat to life totals. And flying is surprisingly hard to block in CDH, with Ishai quickly getting bigger than Krom's 4-4 body, usually the biggest thing in the air. The counter spells also give us lots of options to protect our important stacks pieces, or to protect our combo when we go for the win, or to stop somebody who's trying to win before us. And Esper's Cup absolutely runneth over when it comes to advantage engines. Ristic Study, Mystic Remora, Esper Sentinel, Archivist of Ogma, Talion Kindly Lord, just to name a few that we're running. I also mentioned how it gives us a lot of potent stacks effects to back up our plan to use humility, and a ton of options that specifically impact on one of the primary win cons that ignores humility. Grafdigger's Cage, Rest in Peace, Douthy Voidwalker, Dranith Magistrate, and the new Agatha Soul Cauldron all make it very hard to score a win with Underworld Breach lines once they're in play. For an Esper deck, we are pretty agnostic to the graveyard, and we can comfortably eschew cards like Entomb or Intuition to set up our lines. Black and White also give us some of the best ways to get enchantments consistently out of our deck and into play, including our traditional suite of tutors with Demonic Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, Enlightened Tutor, and Imperial Seal, as well as a newer one in the form of Beseech the Mirror, which can easily sacrifice a token thrall to go grab Humility to help us lock down the board. But this begs the question then, how are we going to actually win the game while locking down multiple common paths players use to take to victory in CEDH? We're going to win by going all the way back to the heady days of 2019 when War of the Spark was the new hotness and R&D unveiled Jace, wielder of mysteries, aka Labman Jace. So named because Jace had a static ability lifted straight off of Laboratory Maniac. For one, blue, 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 Jace is a four-loyalty planeswalker with if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. Jace also happens to have not one, but two loyalty abilities, which can help you trigger that win-the-game clause. Being a planeswalker, Jace is unaffected by humility, so we can still trigger our win con while keeping the board locked down. Of course, we're also running the combination of Thassa's Oracle and Demonic Consultation, because sometimes you just draw into it and your opponents can't stop you. But we're also taking advantage of a very potent tutor available in white to set up an alternate combo win. Academy Rector is 3 and a white for a 1-2 creature human cleric with, when Academy Rector dies, you may exile it. If you do, search your library for an enchantment card, put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle. That's a straight-to-battlefield tutor who just so happens to need a sack outlet, who we just so happen to have in the form of our Planeswalker commander, Tavish Zot. So, we can sack Rector, we draw two cards, and then we go grab our Humility to lock down the board. Or, if the coast is clear, we could go for the win instead. This deck is running the One Ring as part of our card advantage package, the four-mana indestructible legendary artifact that is becoming the bane of modern and other eternal formats with... When the One Ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the One Ring, and tap. Put a burden counter on the One Ring, then draw a card for each burden counter on the One Ring. With Academy Rector, in addition to being able to lock down the board hard with Humility, we have the opportunity to combo off with the One Ring using an enchantment called Mind Over Matter for two Blue, 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 blue. Yes, that's four blue mana. This enchantment has discard a card. You may tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. So here's how the combo works. First, we'll tap the one ring, add a burden counter, and draw a card. 
Then we'll discard that card that we just drew to untap the one ring, then tap it again. Add another burden counter and draw two cards. Repeat until we have enough of our deck in hand to win. That may be with Thoracle or with Jace, depending on the board state. Because remember, the one ring does not punish you for your burden counters until your upkeep. So you can do this all during your turn and go nuts. If we need mana to pull off our win, well, we can just pitch an extra land or two to Mind Over Matter to untap land we already have in play, or one of our many mana rocks. Now, I'll be the first to admit, it really stinks to have Mind Over Matter stranded in your hand, but I found that in CDH, just having a spare blue card hanging out in your hand that you don't mind pitching to Force of Will or Chrome Ox feels like a pretty good worst case scenario, and I have absolutely pitched it to Gemstone Caverns if I have that in my opener. So this brings us to one of the classic parts of a CDH primer. If this is your first time enjoying a CDH primer, with the basic outline of the deck's function done, this is the part of the episode where I think it's helpful to look at some mulligan decisions and opening hands, as it can really help you get your head around how a deck is going to play, and if it's a right deck for you. So, our first opening hand is Fierce Guardianship, Grim Monolith, Grand Abolisher, Command Tower, Academy Rector, Demonic Tutor, Hallowed Fountain. Now, this opener isn't bad per se, but it's really slow, and it doesn't give us a great value engine waiting for us. Yes, it gives us a turn 3 Tevish Zot, but that's an eternity of no interaction for a controlling deck to be in. And I think I'd ship this hand back in almost all but the slowest of pods. Yeah, the option does exist that we could go for a turn 2 Demonic Tutor into a Mana Crypt into a Grim Monolith, which gives us the option to untap on turn 3 with 7 potential mana but we have very little to actually plan to spend it on. I really don't want to pray to the top deck gods that we draw nothing but gas, so I would almost certainly ship this. Our next opening hand is Chromox, Mana Crypt, Out of Time, Fierce Guardianship, Mystic Remora, Jeweled Lotus, and Felwar Stone. Since we're playing CDH, I really don't mind no land hands as keepers. If we top deck a land, we're in amazing shape, but even without it, I think there's some serious considerations to be made for two or three possible openers here. We could either open with Mana Crypt plus Jeweled Lotus into a turn one Tevish shot and make two thralls to start drawing cards. Or we could potentially go turn one Mana Crypt into Felwar Stone into Jeweled Lotus and tap to cast Eshai and start pressuring life totals, while also potentially setting up a snag for Tevish Zot later when it comes down. It really depends on the pot in the seating order, but I also don't hate the idea of a turn one Mystic Remora. But it might mean we have to imprint Fierce Guardianship, which feels really, really risky just throwing that under a mox when we may have to be the table police. If we're in the number two seat in specific, and that turns on our Felwar Stone, I actually really like this as a keep, because we could then pitch Fierce Guardianship to Chrome Mox drop all of our rocks and power out both an Ishai and a Mystic Remora, so we can pressure our opponents to keep up with an early threat to their life totals and force them to play into Mystic Remora. Let's go on to opening hand number three. Godless Shrine, Path to Exile, Flustered Storm, Agatha's Soul Cauldron, Hallowed Fountain, Swords to Plowshares, and Soul Ring. Whoo baby, lots to talk about here. This hand has some quickness to it, but there's no real payoff. I think that if we're in a seat where we need to be policing the table, this is gonna feel like a pretty good hand. 
whacking a Rograk with Swords to Plowshares can really put a Grixis Turbo deck back into the Stone Age. It also gives us the opportunity to open with a turn 1 Shock into Soul Ring into Agatha's Soul Cauldron. Particularly if we're facing multiple opponents who could threaten Breach Winds, I don't necessarily like that this hand has no value engine for us to stick on turn 1 or 2, but I would consider this as a second 7 in certain matchups. Now, for our fourth and final opening hand, let's look at Hallowed Fountain, Chain of Vapor, Asper Sentinel, Rest in Peace, Island, Cyclonic Rift, and Force of Wheel. Now this is the hand that the table police wants to see. We have a slow but strong opener in Hallowed Fountain into Esper Sentinel on turn one to draw a few extra cards. And then we can comfortably play to a turn two rest in peace to shut down breach lines while still holding up force of will to interact with someone who goes for a fast nause or other threatening early play. And we're probably going to be drawing quite a bit off the interaction wars that'll happen thanks to Esper Sentinel. Now, not every hand in CDH needs to start with a bevy of zero-cost mana rocks, and this hand shows just how deep Esper's card pool is when it comes to playing Table Police. And that is how Tevishstadt and Ishai teach humility. If Alan from Mental Misplay is right, and we are in fact in Big Boy Winter, what better way to make all the Tivits and the Kroms and the Atali sad this holiday season than by dropping a humility onto the table, like a lump of coal right in their stocking. We also got to look at the flexibility of Academy Rector, and her ability to help you pivot between control lines with humility and combo lines with mind over matter, as well as how we can win the game even with one of the holy grails of stacks in play. So, if your friends have been naughty at the CDH table this holiday season, and let's be real here, every CDH player has been naughty this year, then why not introduce them to some good old-fashioned humility? If you have questions about the deck, you can find me on the Commander Cookout Discord. You can leave a comment on the deck list, link in the description, or here on YouTube at the Commander Cookout Media Group. You can add us on Twitter, where we are at GemstoneMindMTG, or you can send us an email, GemstoneMindPodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm John, this is Gemstone Mind, and may your holidays be full of stacks effects that you're breaking parity on. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.